You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Chris and Nick Show here on Big Blue View Radio. I am one of the hosts, Nick Filato, joined as always by Chris Flum, and we are going to be talking about the offensive line. Chris, I have our lads pulled up right now. And there are 17 offensive linemen in their system. A lot of them are versatile, can play multiple different positions. We'll go through all their names. We'll go through who we think will be the starters and break down a lot of these guys. But first, Chris, how you doing, bro? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing well. This is another deep position group. I mean, granted, yeah, there's five different uh, five different positions to talk about. But that's still a lot of big dudes. That Man, I, I do not envy the uh, folks in the Giants cafeteria. That is a lot of calories and a lot of food that they have to put out there, certainly. And to go over these positions, I'll just name the the names right now, the 17 that are in our lads database. You have the tackles, which are Andrew Thomas, Evan Neal, Matt Gano, Matt Parrott, Corey Cunningham, Devery Hamilton, and then Roy, the Nigerian uh, pathway player. I, I don't think I'm going to try to pronounce his last name. He's uh, one of the players that the Giants brought in during this offseason. And then the interior guys, which some of these guys can play tackle as well, but you have Shane Lemieux, Josh Azudu, Jamil Douglas, John Feliciano, Ben Bredesen, Mark Lewinsky, Max Garcia, Marcus McKethan, Josh Rivas, and then Nick Gates. Chris, that is a heck of a lot of offensive linemen and a much better room than what we saw last year. Well, what we saw last year wasn't hard to beat. Yeah, the... I think it's a really interesting group. Yeah, they're, I think right now the Giants have three spots on their starting offensive line, which I, I figure that's a good place to start is with the starters. Mm-hmm. They've got three spots that are pretty much locked down right now. Uh, left tackle with Andrew Thomas, obviously. He took that big step forward last year. Hopefully he'll take another step forward. Maybe not a big step forward, but yeah, hopefully he'll take another step forward this year. Then Evan Neal at right tackle. First round draft pick, high high draft pick, tops on a lot of people's boards. I I know he was tops on mine, my highest rated offensive lineman. And then at center with John, uh, I'm sorry, right guard with uh, Mark Lewinsky, longtime starter for the Indianapolis Colts, just a reliable starting guard. Yeah, those are the three that I would say are almost certain players to start. Now, nothing is certain. There's injuries. There's all of that. But Glowinski, they gave a three-year deal to Mark Glowinski. I, I believe he is solidified as that right guard with Neil at right tackle and then Andrew Thomas at left tackle. And I do believe the left guard and the center position are up for grabs. If I had to bet right now, I would go with Shane Lemieux just because of what we saw during OTAs and minicamp. And then I would go with John Feliciano because his familiarity with Brian Dable's system and he's a veteran and he has a lot more snaps there than someone like a Ben Bredesen or even another veteran like a Max Garcia. 
But I do believe that left guard and center position, if a Joshua Azudu or even a Jamil Douglas or a lot of these back-end guys, if they can really play out of their minds in training camp, and then you see a Shane Lemieux or a John Feliciano slip up a little bit, I wouldn't be shocked to see the younger players take those positions from a Lemieux or Feliciano. Yeah, now let's zoom in on left guard for a second. We've got Shane Lemieux. He was injured last year. Um, I don't want to see say he had an uninspiring rookie season because he was a fifth round pick. Yeah, yeah. The, the expectation levels for those guys are pretty low. If you make the roster and contribute on special teams and are a capable backup, that's good for a fifth round rookie. Lemieux, he proved to be a, we'll say, capable run blocker. Yeah, He is definitely a country-strong dude. You get him moving downhill, he can move defensive linemen. His problems came on pass protection because he's pretty much only good moving downhill. He can't really move laterally. Now, contrast with that with Joshua Zudu, who that dude can move laterally. He is, I don't, I don't think he could play offensive tackle at the NFL level, but he does have experience at the position at North Carolina. So he's got that almost fringe tackle athleticism and movement skills. So I think that's going to be a very interesting battle between the two. You've got Lemieux with a little bit more experience and I would say probably a lot more power than Zudu. But then Zudu's got a lot better movement skills. It'll be interesting to see which one, which of those two kind of wins out. I agree. And I also would like to say, just by going off of film study, and I haven't watched Lemieux in a little bit, but I remember going in-depth on Shane Lemieux tape during his rookie season. And I think you did a good job just breaking down how he struggles to move backwards and he struggles to move laterally. But going forward, he has a locomotive. I think Azudu actually has some deceptive strengths, especially when he can fit his hands inside because that guy's grip strength are just insane. And the reason I think Shane Lemieux might get the first crack at the at the starting guard spot isn't even necessarily because he's better than Azudu or I think he's a better option than Azudu. I just think they're going to go with the veteran. And then if Shane Lemieux struggles, then they'll put Azudu in that left guard spot. And I also think they might be training Azudu to play a little bit of tackle and view him more as a swing offensive lineman to start his career until Shane Lemieux loses that job. Cause we have seen Joshua Azudu play left tackle in OTAs in minicamp when Andrew Thomas was on the men with the foot injury. Yeah, and I think that is actually a – if that is what the Giants are doing, that is actually a pretty good strategy. Basically making Azudu a modern-day Kevin Booth, a four- or five-tool player who can be your six-man, come off the bench at any point, play any position. Because you know, I think it's reasonable to expect Azudu could potentially even play center if they teach him how to snap the ball. You know, he's got a very versatile frame. Like you said, he's got – he does have some strength to him. I, I don't want to say he doesn't. It's just that Lemieux strength is his strength. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's kind of on a little bit different level, if that makes any sense. And, but with Azudu having him be able to just at a moment's notice, back up four or five different positions, that is incredibly useful when you can only have so many players on your 53-man roster and your game-day active roster. And yet, 
it might be worth keeping him in reserve just to have that flexibility in in how you can respond to getting punched in the face on game day. Exactly. And in terms of getting punched in the face on game day, just to circle back to Shane Lemieux a little bit, his biggest issue during his rookie season was him handling initial pass rush moves. And I felt like that was exploited against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with guys who weren't even known for being pass rushers. Yeah, Nadama Kansu and when JPP would slant inside, those guys would hit him. And those guys are known pass rushers. But guys like William Golston were just dominating him with quick power moves. And I felt like if Shane Lemieux didn't anticipate a move and he was put one step behind, he didn't have the play speed to overcome that and there was so much interior pressure in on Daniel Jones throughout that 2020 season and a lot of it was due to Shane Lemieux kind of just not being in position and not being able to adapt or have the athletic ability to adapt right at the snap whenever a quick pass rushing move was sent his direction yeah that even going back to his time at Oregon foot speed has really always been kind of Lemieux's issue yeah a ton of experience at Oregon I think he played something like 50 games or had 50 starts uh he's a great competitor but just really moving around is kind of his uh it it is what he struggles with if you meet him head-on with power he can stand up to that if you can get him going forwards in a, a man gap scheme just downhill running uh I think his presence is what really helped uh, Wayne Gallman in the latter half of 2020 when the Giants were basically their whole offense were those counter runs and they executed those very, very well. And Lemieux is a big part of that. So that I think it's going to be very interesting. And part of what makes it interesting is we don't really know what kind of blocking scheme the Giants are going to use. We don't know what kind of running scheme the Giants are going to use or even how much running the ball is going to factor into their offensive scheme as a whole. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Yeah, that's the fascinating question. I mean, just to talk about the entire offensive scheme, that incorporates the passing attack, the vertical passing attack, intermediate, the quick passes that we anticipate because of the draft selection of Wondell Robinson and the presence of Kadarius Toney. That's why I'm fascinated by whatever the New York Giants have up their sleeve from an offensive standpoint. 
but to talk about other players that pertain to this left guard position, I think Azudu and Lemieux are the two that you, we kind of focus a lot on. But there's also Jamil Douglas, who's a veteran who was with Brian Dable for a little bit in Buffalo. And then Max Garcia, who didn't necessarily have a great season, but he's another player who played a lot of snaps at several different positions. He played most of his snaps at right guard, but he had about 35% of his snaps came at center last year with the Arizona Cardinals. And he's one of those wily veterans who have been around the game for a little bit, might be declining athletically, but still we all know how important the mental side of playing offensive line is. And Max Garcia is a pretty savvy vet at this point who does have a chance to earn some snaps on this offensive line. Yeah. And you mentioned the center position. Yeah. Pretty much everybody has John Feliciano, uh, maybe even more seriously than penciled in as the starting center. But it's also been a minute since he has taken significant snaps at the center position. I think he only has something like, what, eight in the last two years? I don't believe he played really significant snaps when he was at Buffalo. It was his stop prior to that, which if I remember off, if I remember correctly, was the Raiders. Yeah, he was with the Buffalo Bills for three years, dating back to 2019. And then he has a lot of snaps from Oakland. He was a fourth-round pick back in 2015. But in terms of him playing center, last season he played mostly left guard, and that was 2021. So in 2020 with the Bills, he played mostly right guard, but he he had a few games where he started center early on in the season. So 2020, I guess you could say, three, four games where he played center, over 200 snaps. I would say that's significant enough. But to your point, I think you're on to something there because a lot of people are kind of penciling him in. I think it's a little bit more tentative than that. I think if Ben Bredesen or you know even Max Garcia, like we said, he has sna- uh, snaps there re- as recently as last year. If they play well at the center position, I could see Feliciano losing that spot. Definitely don't think it's a uh, a certainty that he hangs on to that. I just think he'll get the first crack. Yeah, and it could even be possible that we see a shuffle, particularly early in training camp, between the guys at left guard and center. Because uh, Ben Bredesen, he has experience at left guard. Garcia, he's got experience at guard. Uh, Feliciano, as you just said, he has experience at guard as well. So we could see each of these guys, uh, Feliciano, Bredesen, Garcia, maybe even Jamil Douglas, maybe even Zudu, all kind of competing for center and guard. The almost, the almost odd duck out there, and I did not mean the pun, this is not an intended pun, is Lemieux. Oh. <laughs> I love the... Uh... I love it though, man. Yeah, he's the one that I feel like is definitely penciled into being left guard. It's the only thing he's played dating back throughout his college career. So you're going all the way back to high school since the last time he's probably played another position along the offensive line. And I, I I think all this will shake out in training camp and I think it will be fluid. I think if, say, Shane Lemieux, like I said earlier, struggles early in the season or Feliciano, any of these other players can step up and earn snaps. And I think it will be much more adept, much more competent than what we saw last year. Cause that wasn't the case. I think the depth right now is something that should give a lot of hope to the New York giants fan, because you look at the giants last season, right? Nobody wanted any of those backups in there. A lot of people, we, we didn't even want the starters in there. Like Nate Solder was a starting right tackle. I don't mean to kick the guy or anything like that, but he was not a starting tackle at any level last season he should not have been starting for an nfl team and that's who the giants had to rely on which just speaks to the dearth of talent that the giants had last year on the offensive line guys like max garcia 
and Ben Bredesen and players like that, they might not really move the needle that much, but just having a competent guy who can step in and not be a complete liability goes a long way. And that's what I feel like a lot of these depth pieces are. Even guys like Jamil Douglas, who we haven't had too much tape on, you know, developmental pieces like McKethan and even Josh Revis. Like those guys can be stashed on the practice squad and we could see if Bobby Johnson can get a lot out of them with years of development. I, I just think the health of this offensive line group is in such a better spot because of Joe Shane rather than it was last year under Dave Gettleman when he was supposed to fix the offensive line. Yeah, and... Yeah, you know, this is the thing I've said to Ed, just kind of talking behind the scenes. Like, I feel a lot better about Ben Bredesen as being, you know, your interior offensive line depth than as a starter. He is a fine depth piece as a guy who can come on if your guard's shoe comes untied or something like that. <laughs> yeah, you know, like he needs to get retaped or something like that. He comes in, plays a few snaps, maybe a series. I. That's fine. That's a good role for Ben Bredesen. As a starter, You, I would hope you could do better. <laughs> and that's just where we're at right now. And you look at the tackle position, too. I even think bringing in somebody like a, like a Matt Gano, that's somebody who the Falcons trusted enough to bring back when they did not have to because they saw enough in this young athletic tackle. But then he was hurt all last season, so they just kind of wiped their hands clean of the situation. But now you have him as your swing tackle with a Matt Parrott if Matt Parrott can get healthy enough to come back. And I think that's a pretty good place to be in terms of just having the depth along the offensive line. You bring in guys like Corey Cunningham, who was here last year. He's somebody who was a Cincinnati Bearcat. He was a late round pick. I think he was a seventh round pick. And he was productive in college. Now he played at Cincinnati. I get it. But he's six foot six, 305 pounds with a nice baseline of athletic ability. Will Corey Cunningham make this team? He might not, but he also realistically could. And the fact that he won't be penciled in as a definite because the Giants have guys like Gano there or Pear, if Pear can get healthy, and all of these other versatile players who can also play tackle just also speaks to the fact that the Giants aren't relying on guys that they don't want to be on the roster. These roster spots have to be earned, Chris. We haven't seen that in a little bit. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> they actually have to be earned. Yeah, it's been a minute for that, a couple years at least. And I have to say, I do feel better about having a Matt Gano, potentially a potentially Josh Azudu, because like really the most interesting thing about him for me is his versatility to back up so many different positions. I know there are fans who would be disappointed if Azudu isn't starting this year, but having a guy where you can really feel comfortable, and I know I've said this a few times, but it's important, a guy you can be comfortable backing up four, say four positions, say don't count them into the center conversation. That is just so incredibly valuable, especially when you look back at what, what kind of depth the giants have had at offensive tackle over the last couple years, really, you know, when you have Nate Solder and going, Oh, just please lose a little bit slower this time. And that's your starter. Oh, that's scary. <laughs> it's frightening to be real. And then also, if you have a guy like Azudu who you can rely on at tackle and guard, then you can dress one less guy at that position. So you don't have to go into every game with, you know, nine or 10 offensive linemen. You can, you know, maybe dress eight even, you know, if you have some like two players that you're really confident 
in their ability to execute multiple roles. A guy could play center and guard, or a guy could play guard and tackle, which the Giants have right now. Max Garcia, that's guard and center. Josh Azudu, that's tackle and guard. You have these versatile players that can allow you to open up roster spots at other positions, and you can actually field your best 53 or 55 if they're doing that again, instead of you know just carrying this guy on the roster because you're afraid of injuries, and he offers like no special teams or no other really – uh, quality to your team other than the fact that he's backing up somebody who's injury prone yeah and speaking of injury prone I think the, the two guys we kind of do have to talk about now I know we haven't talked about Evan Neal we talked about him quite a bit when we did our draft review on him uh we both really like him he is a big dude he is absurdly athletic for being a big dude he should be an immediate upgrade at right tackle there probably will be some uh rookie roller coastering going on because well he's a rookie and he's going to be facing quite a few good pass rushers this year but the future is definitely brighter at right tackle than it has been but just to circle back to my original point the speaking of injuries the two guys i think we do need to talk about at least, at least a little bit are matt Parrott and also nick gates i think both players will just end up on you know the pup or the IR, depending on how serious their injuries are. I think Parrot may realistically be able to come back this season. Gates, I'm not as confident with, but either way, I, I'm not relying on them for week one right now. I'm not a doctor. I don't have any in- sort of inside information. It just doesn't sound really hopeful, more specifically for Gates than Parrot. But if Parrot can come back and can be healthy, I think him and Gano would battle it out for that swing tackle position. You could maybe even throw Corey Cunningham or a Devery Hamilton. I don't really have much on Devery Hamilton into that conversation as well. Maybe both of them. I mean, I don't know if Parrot can, you know, actually kick inside. There were so many rumors over the last two years. Of, oh, he's going to play guard. He's going to play guard. He never really seen too much of that. So I don't know uh, how much that would work with him battling back from injury. Yeah, I think the with Parrot, if he can get back on the field, I don't know. He has honestly through the first two seasons of his career been kind of a disappointment, actually yeah. a lot of a disappointment. His rookie season, he was used in a platoon with Nate Solder, and it was kind of weird. They brought him on specifically for zone blocking duties, and early on, it was he was effective, I think because defenses really didn't have any tape on him. And they were kind of caught by surprise as the season wore on. It was less effective. And then last year, Parrot kind of got the first crack at the right tackle job. And I, it didn't go well. There were, there were some really ugly reps, especially in preseason. Yeah, a lot in preseason. And you heard like Joe Judge and just the former coaching staff kind of allude to the fact that there was a lack of fire there with Matt Parrott, which you never want to hear for the offensive line. And he was content with having Nate Solder, this veteran who was retired for a season way over the hill, starting over him. I mean, you don't like any of those kind of characteristics if they were true. Obviously, we're not 100% sure if they were. So that's another kind of aspect to look at in terms of Matt Parrott. And uh, we'll have to see from a health perspective on both of those players. I kind of want to mention one more thing before we get out of here, Chris, and that's just Andrew Thomas because you you brought this up in the beginning of the podcast. He he took a big step forward last year, and can he take another step forward? And I just wanted to lay the numbers out there for the listeners. So his rookie season was really bad, right? He was, I believe, second in the league in pressures allowed at 57 pressures. 
I think just behind the one of the Jags tackles. And then he allowed 10 sacks, according to Pro Football Focus, 39 total hurries. It, it wasn't good. He was losing in a variety of different ways. He couldn't protect his inside shoulder. He overset, couldn't handle counter moves. It was it was bad. I think he got better down the stretch of the seasons. But then when you watch the Arizona game and the Baltimore game in 2020, it, it, you didn't you weren't like, oh, wow, this guy's really progressing. He, he, there were still warts there. But last season, he knocked his pressure count down from 57 to 18. He knocked his sack count down from 10 to 2. And his technique was so much more confident. The way he used his hands, his strike timing, his placement, his set depth, all of those things were just so much prettier and aesthetically pleasing to the eye and technically sound. So can he take a step forward now? I think I would be much more inclined to say absolutely if he wasn't you know, battling an injury at the moment. But I still think he can. And I still think he has the potential to be a top, you know, one of the top tackles in the league. I think that potential is still there with Andrew Thomas, who's only 23 years old. Yeah, I, I don't expect him to take a leap like he did last year. But I think another step forward is absolutely possible. Even if he doesn't, he's not in a bad spot. You know, he is a dependable left tackle right now. And I that is really what most every team in the NFL is looking for just expecting somebody to be a top player, the best at their position. That's a lot to hang on somebody. And a lot of times it does come down to who you are facing. You know, the matchups you face that year really do shape what kind of, you know, how you are regarded league wide. If he can just game in game out, play in play out, and then year in, year out, be dependable and just not hemorrhage pressure. Be faithful to his assignments, execute them well, play with good technique. That, I think, is really plenty. That is really everything the Giants could ask for from Andrew Thomas. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting seeing him against uh, Hassan Reddick again. I'm not sure if he is not looking forward to that matchup or has it circled on his calendar. I kind of hope he has it circled just based on the way that game went in their rookie season. But yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is just for Thomas to not take a step back to, for it to not be a case of the rest of the offensive line was so bad last year that defenses more or less kind of flowed around him. And he looked better in comparison. I don't think that was the case because like you said, his technique, he played with so much more confidence despite what was going on around him. But I hope that if everything else is improved, that pressure doesn't come back on him and he doesn't take a step backwards. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, the two sacks that he gave up, one was against Robert Quinn. Quinn was aligned like way out wide and he just kind of beat Andrew Thomas to his set point. Thomas was a little bit undisciplined with his hips and opened really early, but Robert Quinn is like the bendiest. He's like Gumby out there, dude, the way he's yeah. able to bend around contact. I don't think he gets the type of praise he probably deserves as being one of the most flexible and bendy edges in the league over the last, you know, several seasons but that was i think one of the sacks and the other one was against tampa bay and i can't remember the pass rusher but he just hit him with like a long arm on a vertical set and it just stunned andrew thomas and then andrew thomas lost the outside shoulder 
So they're not pretty reps, if I remember correctly, but it wasn't egregious either. And it wasn't like he was losing consistently and couldn't battle back from the way he was losing like we saw in 2020. So I'm, I'm very hopeful and I'm optimistic about Andrew Thomas taking his or at least maintaining what we saw in 2021. Again, taking a big step forward is difficult when you took such a big leap forward from 2020 to 2021, because there's not even too much further that he can, you know, leap in terms of, you know, shedding his statistics down in terms of pressures and sacks, since he only allowed two sacks and he only allowed 18 pressures or whatever. I was say, exactly. If he can just maintain and then have everybody else around him, the other four spots, or even three of the four spots, play better than they did last year, that is a huge improvement for the Giants. Huge improvement. But Chris, anything else on the Giants offensive line? I think we've hit a lot of the main points. The left guard and center position are still up in the air. There's a lot more depth, a lot more competition. There's going to be some players who might have some talent who are Try to be slid onto the practice squad, possibly cut because of the depth the Giants currently have at these positions. And it's a pretty, it's a better spot to be in right now than it was last season. You know, I think you pretty much just covered everything. That was a very good wrap up. Thank you so much, Chris. Alrighty, everybody in the listeners, thank you for listening to the Chris and Nick show here on Big Blue View Radio. Please like, leave a comment, and subscribe to the podcast, and also head on over to BigBlueView.com where all of our written content is. We are extensively covering the New York Giants for you. So thank you so much, and have a lovely day. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the <laughs> No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.